Hello and welcome to From the BLN, the Burnley podcast, where we had hoped that we might have uh, a positive midweek debrief for you, but unfortunately, uh, the Clarets have just fallen to a 1 0 defeat at Molyneux to Wolves. Um, really, a game which we were never really in danger of losing for much of that first half, and then gifted Wolves a goal with uh, some of our trademark sloppiness at the back. Uh, before a rather passive second half, which was kind of summed up by Vincent Company bringing two wingers on in the 92nd minute. It's uh, with 93 minutes scheduled due to injury time. But uh, we've got Simon, uh, Justin and Woody with us to discuss and pick the bones through that. Um, Simon, one step forward, two steps back. Yeah, disappointing, really. You know, we were all talking at the weekend about the importance of keeping some momentum going after after um, that big win against Sheffield United, and you could see the confidence in the team at the start. You know, the way they went they went out, they did carry some of that into the game, um, and I thought were really, really, you know, pretty impressive until uh, and, until that that you know inexplicable goal really to give that. I mean, it's just bad from from. From so many perspectives, you know, I don't know why why um, Trafford feels the need to play to O'Shea. I don't know at all why O'Shea thinks playing a ball into the centre part to a man with three men about to close him down was a smart move. And then Burgess touch, even in that situation, you know, it's the wrong ball from O'Shea. But, you know, Burgess touch is, is a bad one wherever he does it on the pitch, but particularly bad there. Shot comes in, Trafford doesn't save it. Can't blame him for it, but it'd be nice if he saved one of them now and then. Um, it would be like a miracle save, but every now and then it'd be nice to get a miracle save. And then, you know, I just thought, you know, second half, we we didn't we didn't create enough, did we? We just didn't create enough. Midfield play was neat and tidy for the most part, but uh, we've paid the price for trying to play it out of the back when we're not good enough to do it. Yeah. Yeah. And Justin, we 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 weren't doing that for much of the kind of 40 minutes that came before that, were we? No, for the first, for the first sort of, well, I mean, at the moment the goal went in, the momentum was all all with us, wasn't it? We, it was it was just a few minutes after that double save from from the J-Rod, was it Brownhill who took the second one on and he just tipped it around the post? You know, I think if that goes, if one of those two goes in, I think we we're going to win that game quite easily because I didn't, I didn't think Wolves were had anything at all. I mean, you know, I think in the second half, I think the way they played contributed quite a lot to how how it all panned out. You know, they 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 were going they were going down for the slightest of touch. They spent a lot more time appealing for free kicks than they did actually trying to play football, and they didn't really have any progressive thinking about it, did they? But then again. Neither did we. You've got to, when you've got to, you've got to play against teams like that sometimes, and you've got to carve things out and you've got to grind things out. I thought I thought actually I thought actually things changed a little bit when Trezor came on. I thought that gave us a little bit more impetus. But then, you know, apart from that lovely back heel he did, there wasn't really much created, was there? Not really. I mean, let's be honest, it was an absolutely terrible game of football, wasn't it? And. I don't think any either side really deserved to win it. Yeah, you're right. It wasn't a game really for the neutrals, was it? I think if you're not a Wolves fan or not a Burnley fan, there's no way on earth you tune into that or um, you know, watching that again. Woody, I know you're our kind of multiple game watcher and you watch matches back. I don't think you'll be sitting in your basement watching that again, will you? Um, I might have nothing else better to do, but invariably no. I mean, I, th- I think the thing that arguably turned it a little bit was Collie Osho going off. 
we were stretching them um, a little bit and then bringing um, Good Monson on seemed to just kind of slow everything down, contract everything, and we didn't have that ability to either get behind or work anything out. And Brun Larson getting switched over to the opposite flank. Mm. Uh, I think you pointed out, Greasy, that it seemed like two games in four days seemed like too much for him. And he had absolutely no impact whatsoever on the game. And from that point on, we never really managed to either upset Wolves, create anything, get around the back of them, and Vinny just did his drifting again. You know, you could see on 54 minutes, are we going to change it up? Are we going to do something on 60? No, he let it drift, he let it drift, he let it drift, he let it drift. And it was um, it was one of those extremely frustrating second halves where we never thought about going into it until way too far gone. So, yeah, great day at Black Rock. And, and Simon... It feels a bit like that United game, doesn't it? We could have still been playing, you know, a week or Tuesday, a week next Tuesday, and we wouldn't have scored because we had no urgency. The changes were just too passive. Um, you know, surely you just bring Zorori on, don't you, for for Colliotto if you want a bit of experience? I understand not bringing Odebar on, but surely, I mean, Zorori, I, I don't think he's even warming up at some points. You know, he sent... Mike Trezor on, who, as Justin said, one back here the side's not offered anything. He's just, he needs a lesson in when to use his subs, doesn't he? He does, and he, do, he didn't change the shape, did he, when, he, when he made those changes? You know, Trezor went out onto the left, and he never, he, whenever he comes on, he never seems to want to actually be playing there, does he? He seems to want to come inside and, and play his own role, and that leaves Charlie Taylor a bit on his own. Um, I mean, I think the other thing that was, was you know, contributed to it was saw quite a lot of good bits of play from J-Rod and, and Zeki Amdouni, but nearly all of it was, like, in deep midfield positions, you know, yeah. and, and there were quite a few times where, um, you know, if we did get close to their box or if Goodmanson got the ball out on the right, there weren't people, uh, enough bodies in the box to, to sort of make a decent cross uh, worthwhile. You know, there was... There was one case where, you know, there's this ball goes down the line and you look and see who's played it. And it was actually J-Rod playing a ball from the sort of right back position down down the line, um, which is, you know, no criticism of Jay for getting back and doing the work. But you'd have thought maybe the manager is looking at situations like that and thinking we need to change the formation a bit. This, this you know, maybe the four four two is is something Wolves were comfortable uh, certainly, with Goodmanson and Larson being ineffective in the wide positions, I agree. I thought I thought Larson was really disappointing after after shining against Sheffield United. So mm. you know there were a lot of things that could have been adjusted, or but you know not having a centre forward on the bench doesn't help, does it either? You know that that was a game that was crying out for bringing on like uh, you know another striker, and and we didn't have one. Mm. Yeah, it did seem um, lots of kind of changes. On the bench, only the one change on the starting lineup, um, Justin. But it did feel like Saturday's bench with Oberfemi perhaps in there, um, perhaps gave mm. us a little bit more. Masengo perhaps to, to I don't know, add a third man in midfield and then push, you know, Berger into that kind of behind the two strikers in Amdouni and Jay. Everything just felt really flat, didn't it, second half? And when we really needed that aggression that we saw on Saturday. Yeah, I think... I think Simon Simon's right. It probably needed a change of shape in some way to try and drag them out of what was a, a, a fairly entrenched 
sort of defensive position they got themselves into. I think we've said this before, haven't we? Like there doesn't, there never seems to be a plan B or rather the plan B seems to be just exchanging one like for like players. And I I can't remember a situation that we've been in where like a substitution that he's made has really turned the game, you know, or changed the game in any way. It just seems to be like, you know, a player comes on and sort of does the same thing that the player that they've replaced was doing. And I just think we need to be a bit more flexible in the in the way that we get set up. I mean, it, it would have been difficult, really, to come up. You'd, you'd have to have changed all 11 players, really, because nobody, nobody had a great game, did they? Nobody really sort of took the game to them. Nobody really, nobody really, you know, looked like, looked like they were going to do something that was going to change what was happening on the pitch. So I don't know. I don't know whether a different bench would have made a, a, a massive difference. I think I think we do need another centre forward, don't we? We need somebody yeah. who's going to play, you know, a, a, a different kind of game to the game that J Rod comes. He, he does come deep, doesn't he? We need somebody who's going to be up there and, and who can hold the ball up and bring the wingers into play. And we just haven't, we haven't we just haven't got that player at the moment. So it's hard to hard to see who could have made a difference on the day. I just think it was one of those. I, I don't agree with you that it's. Um, you know, one step forward and two steps back. I think it's the other the other way. I don't think it, I don't think it was I don't think it was a disaster. We were def you know, we, we were we were competitive in that game. It's more like two steps forward and this is just one step back and we'll see what happens at the weekend. Yeah. Would it a bit like after the United game when I felt that if we'd have had Foster, we'd have probably got something because there's a little bit of I don't know, a bit of strength, bit of brawn up top. Is this a game where, you know, the the absence of Lyle Foster really kind of showed perhaps more than it has done in, say, the West Ham game or the Arsenal game before that or the Palace game before that? I think I think that's a fair point, yes. I think the, the changes that we wanted to be able to make, we weren't able to make with the bench that we had. And we don't know why we had the bench that we had, but it's like, you know, you'd have been terribly worried today if a central midfielder had have had to come off because it would have mm. slotted in there. And we haven't been able to change our two front fellas. We've just got wingers in various descriptions to bring on whenever he feels like it. And like we've said it time and time again about how passive he is as opposed to being proactive. And this needed him to put his stamp on the game and try and go out there and get a point. And he didn't, and he didn't do it today. Again, he's let things drift and he's let things go and hoped something might happen, you know, irrespective of what changes may have gone on. And that's no way uh, to go through a season, really, is it? No, definitely not. Uh, quite a few frustrated fans on our uh, Twitter feed. Um, just going to fire a couple of questions because we did ask for some questions. Josh Nicholson says, please, can you discuss dropping or share? Um, Simon, you, you kind of perhaps get the impression that it might be Ekdal and Bear on Saturday. Um, we've obviously talked about O'Shea's role in the goal. Um, do you see VK making that change and and getting what's perhaps his favoured pairing of Bear and, and Ekdal? Or do you think Ekdal drops back out for Bear on Saturday? No, that'd be a travesty, I think. I think it's got to be Ekdal and Bear. I think they are the best two central defenders we have at the moment. Um, and I thought Ekdal played all right, didn't do much wrong. Um mm. I thought Vitinho actually, if we're you know if we're if we're struggling around looking for positives as we usually are, I actually thought he had a really good game again. Um, and I've, I've, I quite you know that's me who said at the start of the season that he wasn't good enough to be back up to Conor Roberts. 
I thought he did really well. Got some good challenges in. Gets mm. forward regularly. Quality of his final ball isn't quite there, but he's not the only one uh, guilty of that. But no, I think I think that's what probably will happen. And uh, you know, O'Shea didn't have a stinker or anything like that. You know, and he's been picked on a little bit by the fans at times, isn't he? But it, it's just an inexplicable pass. And although you know, if Vincent Company's telling him to do that kind of thing, then then that's an asterisk next to that criticism as well, isn't it? Because mm. we're seeing this with a number of teams. It's not just us who are doing it. Football's become obsessed with playing it out from the back. And and really, you know, there's, there's I shared a few on my Twitter feed last week from the Bundesliga second division and a few others, where you know you get these comedy situations where teams aren't good enough to do it. Now there was nothing funny about about what we produced. Uh, with with their goal, but but it's it's you know it's really a lesson that I think a lot of coaches need to start just calming down a bit. Not everybody can play like Manchester City mm. out of the back. You've got to have really good players to be able to do that. And Darroshay is not that kind of central defender. He's not John Stones, is he? He's not Ruben Diaz. He's not he's not going to play the right ball all the time. And it was a, it was a bad decision for him, whatever his instructions were, but. That, for me, is, is still the overwhelming feeling after that game is why did we give that goal away in that fashion? Mm. Yeah. I was watching AFC Wimbledon versus uh, uh, Ramsgate, I think it was. Ramsgate were playing out from the back last night uh, and conceded, I think, their fifth, the fifth goal they conceded uh, was... was mad, was, was, was very Burnley-esque. You think to yourself, if non-league clubs are playing out from the back, honestly, I couldn't believe it. It's just it's crazy. It's not just in England either. Everyone's trying to do it. And it's like, we know why they do it. And we know it lays the foundation for a passing game and everything. And and it, it did work last year in the Championship when teams backed off us a lot. But it just felt like Wolves set a trap there, didn't they? Like, go on then, mm-hmm. just knock it out about a little bit. Mm-hmm. And every now and then, we're going to press you with three or four players and then we'll see what happens. And, and yeah. that's what that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, first, first time we had the press and we, we crumbled, didn't we? Um, we've got a couple more questions. Um, Justin Corney says... Uh, how many games will he give Trafford before making a change? I don't think Trafford had too bad a game tonight, but it, the, the um, confidence that he showed on Saturday just didn't seem to be there tonight, did it? It just felt a bit... He doesn't uh, it doesn't fill me with an enormous amount of confidence, I have to say. And I think that... that I mean, I, I never understand why fans do this. I mean, clearly, Trafford's been told to play out from the back, isn't he? And, and it, it's, it's been happening all season. When he if he dwells on the ball a little bit, the fans start getting getting all rowdy and getting on his back as if to I mean, as if he's going to say, "Oh, the fans don't like this. Uh, I better I better stop doing it." You know, it's just it's it's ludicrous, isn't it? It's going to make the situation worse for him. You know, it's not going to do his nerves any good, is it? If they start going oh every time he sort of puts his foot on the ball and tries to pick out a pass. But I mean, I don't think he did that too, as as much tonight as he. You know, they did mix it up a little. He did knock it long a lot, quite a lot, I thought. But um, I don't think his distribution's great. I'd, go on, Simon. What are you going to say? I think we need a hoofometer. You know, those applauseometers <laughs> they used to have on on like game shows and stuff. You can have a hoofometer when it gets to a certain <clears throat> crescendo. He has to. Hoof he has to boot it. it. Yeah. 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 Well. I do, he did. He didn't seem to need that much encouragement to do that tonight. That was, you know, there, there were there were. A few, uh, a few long punts. I thought, but I think if he hasn't, if he hasn't done it by now, he's not going to do it, is he? I think that's the answer to that question because I think 
there's nothing that's happened over the last two or three games that has instilled more confidence in in Trafford for me. Um, he seems to have a, a real sort of um, aversion to trying to catch the ball. He's always trying to punch it or tip it round rather than sort of get a grip of it. We've not, we've talked about his distribution. It's nowhere near as good as Murich's. Uh, you know, we saw that in the Everton game uh, in the cup. So I, I don't. I think he's just going to stick with him. I think it'd have to be an absolute calamity. He hasn't had. He hasn't really had an absolute calamity, has he? Where he's yeah. sort of been responsible for giving a goal away. But I think he'd have to do that for him to even think about dropping him. Yeah, would he? Um, somebody else. Uh, quite a lot of people really just talking about the timing of the substitutions and, um, and you know things of that ilk. One thing that did get me. Barry Charnley says, "Can we have a Burnley team that?" team that plays with spirit we've always been that until now we saw that spirit on Saturday didn't we against Sheffield United and today it just felt a bit that we'd lost that aggression again didn't we and you know we're we're seeing teams like Luton you know yes they got beat at the weekend but Mm -hmm. they're playing with a real I don't know passion and aggression a kind (laughs) of you know balls to the wall kind of performances and that's what we needed second half wasn't it probably a little bit more Yes, but after after Saturday, it's a very strange criticism, is that? And I haven't seen necessarily heads completely go, and I don't think that's a valid criticism um, of tonight. It's as much some of the changes that were made, and I think maybe folks were a little bit on the leggy side, having played two games in four days, mm-hmm. etc. So no, um, I, I don't I don't take that on board as being a, a valid criticism. No, and, and like to be fair, you know, it was a flat second half sort of performance. We didn't create much, but the last ten or fifteen minutes, they were hanging on a bit. And not that there were any clear cut chances where you think, "Oh, that's it." But there, you know, there was sustained pressure for the last ten minutes or so, which suggests the team has a fitness and b some spirit. I don't, I don't think the spirit's the problem at all. Really, I think it's 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 a it's a lack of firepower up front in games like that that, that comes that comes out more than anything and obviously the the decision making at times at the back but i i think that's a bit unfair to question the spirit yeah um justin just because i know um you you like these kind of questions having uh, managed to answer the foss uh, the traffic question quite well dave clark says why does it vk give zerori any minutes very concerning question mark. Jesus, um, why well, don't he? Well, it, it's been a mystery to me since the start of the season. He so he seems to have fallen out of favour a little bit somehow. I mean, he he kind of had that great performance, didn't he, against uh, against Salford in the in the in the Carabao Cup, um, where where he was just the he ran the game and was outstanding, and then he didn't even get on the bench for the next game. It was just the mo- the most bizarre thing. And then he's he he was not on the bench on Saturday and then he's back on the bench tonight. There doesn't seem to be any rhyme or reason to it. I, I can't, I, I mean, obviously, like, I think we've said before, we don't see everything, do we? So we don't see either training, we don't see what, what, what's what's going on behind the scenes. But um, I can't answer that question. I don't know. I would have expected, I've said before, I would have expected Zoruri to be one of the ones who kicked on from last season and, and made his mark in the Premier League this season. I really did. And I just don't know what's gone on that something's gone on, hasn't it, behind the scenes that that has has knocked confidence in him or knocked his confidence or 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 maybe he just thinks he's bought better players now and he doesn't need to use him. But it seems very strange that we haven't turned to him more than we have 
and uh, I'd like to see him on the pitch a little bit more. I'll be honest. Is Benson still injured? I think he is. Yeah, I think he's yeah. he's one of them, one of them Sean Dash back on the grass type injuries. <laughs> he, he he played for the under twenty ones or under twenty threes the other week uh, during the international break. The same game as Ekdal and I think Oberfemi. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Then we've not seen him either for the under twenty ones or twenty threes either. So I, I I think he's probably one of them players who is always picking up little niggles and knocks and things yeah. like that. But I mean, earlier we talked about and and Simon, this is probably a good one for you. We talked about VK's lack of substitution nous, and Justin said he very rarely makes substitution that changes the game. And you've brought up Benson there. Last season, he did, didn't he? How many times did mm. he bring on a Benson or even a Zorori or, you know, he'd make a change and bring an Oberfemi on to get a goal or bring Foster on when he scored his goal? It, it feels like everything that he trusted in himself last season, the championship, for whatever reason, and somebody pointed out on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, that, you know, is there a fear from VK of what he's going to look like in front of his top six peers if he doesn't try to play their way? He has the ability to make game-changing substitutions. He probably has the personnel on the bench, but he ain't ever going to make it in the 92nd minute when there's only three minutes of injury time, is he? No, I mean, the reason I brought Benson up there was that just felt like one of those games that last year, out of the blue, mm. Benson would pop up and, and uh, diagonal shot into the far corner, you know. But um, mm. I was sort of, you know, missing a bit of Manuel Benson there. But but it's... it's uh, it's a fair question, really. I suspect what it is, uh, and we're guessing, aren't we? Because we're not inside his head. But I suspect what it is is the consequences of of making a adventurous, positive substitution and it going wrong. The consequences are far more severe in the Premier League. So why did he bring on Goodmanson when it felt like a little bit of a cautious move that one, didn't it? Because you felt Kolyoshko is obviously a very attacking player. He's now our main attacking threat. He's become a player who, when he gets injured, it's like really bad news for us rather than being this promising youngster we're having a look at for a few games. That's how quickly he's established himself in, in the side. But it felt like a sort of very cautious move to bring Goodmanson on uh, for him. And you look at it and you think, well, why didn't he go with Odebert, who's you know maybe similar in, to Kolyoshko in the sense of having like real pace, and being an out-and-out attacking winger. And he must be thinking, you know, I don't trust him on the other side of the ball. I don't trust him to to mm. do the defensive work and get back. Johan will keep us in the game more. So it's a conservative choice in that way. Whereas maybe in the championship, he thinks, like, throw Benson on. It's fine. You know, we'll be all right, you know. Um, yeah. The, 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 you know the stakes are higher, and the and the mistakes do get punished more, and and so he's probably thinking about these things a lot more as well. So, you know, it's not. I don't think it's he's suddenly become like a a, a cautious manager. He's probably just evaluating a, a more serious consequences. Yeah, but would it? I mean, some of his starting eleven selections in them early games didn't suggest that he seemed to have any concept of the, the the kind of higher threat level and the mistakes being kind of worth more or, or worth less to us, obviously. It just feels really weird that he started the game with a young attacking winger who Wolves were really struggling. Semeno and him were having a real ding-dong battle. Wolves can't have been able to do much scouting for Odebert. So surely a light for light rather than switching Brun Larson onto his weaker side to then try and accommodate 
Goodmanson, at that stage of the game, it's not like we were, you know, 70 minutes in and he thought, right, no, no, let's shore it up. It just felt a really, I don't know, regressive substitution, didn't it? Yes. It was kind of, you, you, you knew that his game plan was, let's keep this tight for 60 minutes, then we'll bring good Monson on. If we won, if we won the low points, nil, nil, and we'll try and, you know, try and sneak a point or sneak, sneak three points. And obviously he changed that game plan to the, you know, 30 odd minutes. But I think it shows up also kind of how spawny he was during the championship season that all these like Benson turnarounds were because he'd screwed everything up for the first 70 or 80 minutes during that particular game and had to do something about it. But because it was a championship and everybody was shit, he got away with it. Now he's not getting away with it. It's as simple as that. So, you know, his plan B, which was was a bit of a Hail Mary constantly during the championship, now doesn't even think about coming off. So, yeah, I agree. I would have liked something a lot more uh, progressive, attacking to continue, you know, how we were on the front foot with Kaliosho in the first part of the first half. Yeah, and Simon, at some point we are going to have to be a little bit braver, aren't we, in games which, you know, at that point we were probably the better side. You know, when you're the better side, it's striking while the iron's hot. It's it's trying to push and trying to, you know, find that opening. And we were never really going to get past the defence with Craig Dawson at the heart of it with the kind of, you know, I don't know, cautious tactics that we employed. Looking ahead to Brighton, I mean, they're a bit of an interesting proposition and we'll touch on Brighton fully in the episode later in the week. Um, he's probably got a bit of a decision to make now in terms of his whole starting 11, hasn't he? You know, has he rested players tonight with a view to to perhaps using them on, on Saturday? You know, some of the lads who have not made the bench now suddenly going to be back on the bench. You know, how do you assess us going forward over the next couple of days ahead of Brighton? Well, he shouldn't be resting people from the bench. I don't. I don't think. Uh, I don't think. You know, he might rethink who he puts on the bench, but it shouldn't be a a, a, a workload issue for them. Mm. Um, I don't think. You know, I don't think. Uh, you know, as disappointing as it is to lose that game, I still put it in the same category of games that we've been talking about, where we've been improving. It's still better than what came mm. before the Palace game and the West Ham game and the Arsenal game and the Sheffield yeah. United game. It's That's still fair. in there. We've not, re- we've not just because we've had a disappointing result there. It's not a reversion back to what it was before. So I wouldn't expect him to revert back to like searching around desperately for what the answer is, trying to find solutions on the field. I think we'll see uh, Bayer come back from his suspension and play alongside Ekdal. Uh, if Kolyoshko's not fit, we might see um, an interesting choice about who plays in that slot. Because I don't think, uh, when he watches that game back, I think he'll think that uh, Goodmanson and Brune Larson together aren't the answer. And so he plays either Trezor or Odebert or Zorore. Or if little Manuel's ready to go, then, you know, maybe he's, he's back in the picture or at least on the bench or something. So, you know, I don't expect a massive change of personnel. I mean, Foster, who knows? You know, we don't know what's going on there with that one, whether he's going to be, he could be back at any time, couldn't he? Or he, or he could be out for for a long time we don't know I mean if he were to come back then you would think that as well as Jay has done Foster comes back into that to that slot but 
I, I think it'd be a mistake to start chopping and changing it massively again because I do, like I say, I do see that as part of our sort of maturing as a side this season. Yeah, and we mentioned Vitinho. I think Simon mentioned Vitinho, Justin. Mm. Um, if we look at individual performance levels, I mean, Josh Brownhill booked inside a minute. He didn't play like somebody who'd who'd been booked. I mean, I, I think, you know, we won't talk about, you know, do a Mourinho, we won't talk about the referee. Uh, booked Brownhill yeah. and didn't book a, a Wolves player a couple of minutes later for the same foul. Um, yeah. just genuinely one of the worst referees in, in the Premier League. They've imported him from Australia to import somebody from a worse league to be worse than ours. I don't know why. Um, it, it just feels kind of, you know, there has been those improvements to that. The performance level of Berger and, and Brownhill was still good. I'm doing it not as effective, but still little, you know, you, you've seen him. I think he completed 90 minutes probably for one of the only times this season as well. So there is a few positives to take, isn't there, if it's not the result and the, the passive nature of the second half. Yeah, I mean, we're, t- we're talking, you know, more or less on the final whistle after the game, aren't we? And we're all we're all bound to be disappointed by what we've seen. But I think, like like you say, like like Simon says, you know, it's part of this. It's part all part of the process of of stabilizing and then moving forward. And on the face of it, you know, we've we've gone to a we've gone to a club. We've played away from home against a side who's done doing done reasonably well. You know, you know they're not they're not got they're not pulling up any trees, but they aren't like sucked into the relegation zone as we are, are they? So, and we've gone there and we, and they have looked really ordinary and they had, they have had to hang on in that second half and they have had to reduce themselves to those kind of tactics that, you know, I'd be embarrassed to see my team being reduced to where they're going down every time anybody goes anywhere near them. They're appealing for fouls all the time and just doing anything they can to slow the game down we've got to learn to cope with that. We've got to learn to be able to get in our rhythm even when teams are doing that to us. And I think it's, if there's any positive out of it, out of that game, it's that Wolves felt it necessary to do that and not allow us to play the game yeah. that we wanted to play at home, which is a huge compliment to us when you think about it. So while we might be disappointed we didn't get the result because we should have and we could have, you know, it's still it's still not all doom and gloom, is it? I think we yeah, deserve the point out of that game. Yeah, I, think, I do as I think, well. I think, yeah. I think I think a draw would have been a perfectly fair result on that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And Woody, uh, final word from you because I know I know you always like to end on a positive. It's just the, <laughs> the kind of your very nature. Um, we have got this this run of games between now and Liverpool. I know we keep kind of clinging on to the desperate hope that the run of games is better than the games we've just had, but. Brighton away, I mean, the hope there is, you know, Sheffield United got something at Brighton. We've got a decent record. And then we have Everton at home uh, a week Saturday. The, the the games that are coming up are not United away, City away, Arsenal away, etc. There is some hope that if we continue playing the way we've been playing, but are perhaps a little bit sharper in the way we do things, we will start picking up the points we need to to keep us at least within touching distance or pulling ourselves out of that bottom three. Yes and no. I'd be far, I'd be far happier if we were going to a Goodison Park, for example. The fact that Everton's away record is infinitely better than the home record and they'll probably give us a, you know, a damn good scene to our place. 
you know, considering what's been going on. It slightly worries me. Brighton could just give us a, a footballing lesson or it could be something ridiculous. Um, I don't know. The thing that worries me quite a bit is that this constant statistic or this constant fact about how we haven't picked up any points from going behind. If we go behind, we aren't even looking like we're going to, you know, get anything from a game. And we've got to start doing that, irrespective of who it's against. And um, I want to I want to see more strides in that direction. And once we start doing that, then yes, we'll come out of it infinitely better. But if not, then we're still going to be in a lot of trouble. And that's as positive as I'm going to be on a Tuesday afternoon after watching Burnley at Wolves at Mullinay. I knew we could rely on you for that yes, kind of positive, that, <laughs> that that positivity, that that kind of yes and no. Uh, well, as we record this in the ninety seventh minute of injury time, Arsenal have just got what looks like a winner at Luton Town. Uh, Is it four three result? Four three. Rice, rice, baby. Declan Rice, ninety minutes plus seven. Uh, I am before we end the podcast frantically refreshing to see if that's the final score. Um, so Luton remained just two points ahead of Burnley um, yeah. as it stands. Um, you know, that could have been three points plus their kind of improved goal difference on us. So tonight's not perhaps the disaster that we think it's going to be, is it, Simon? No, it's not. It's not a disaster. Um, but uh, by the way, shout out to uh, World Feed commentator Bill Leslie, who... Uh, Mentioned he was listening to a Burnley podcast on his way up to the game and, and brought up a point that Justin had been making about how uh, company oh, really? uh, company didn't know uh, his team. We were saying, apparently, I think we were saying that, you know, he's found his team at last. It took him, you know, six, seven, eight games. And Justin pointed out that was the same story last year. Yeah. Um, and the commentator said, I'm in the drive up. I was listening to a, a Burnley podcast. And, you know, Vincent Company last year, he didn't find his team in the first seven or eight games either. <laughs> so, you know, didn't mention the podcast by name. So, of course, it could have been uh, uh, perhaps another podcast. I think there are a couple out there. But um, is there? But it, are you sure? <laughs> there are, there are other Burnley podcasts. <laughs> you are joking. <laughs> I've, never, I've never heard of any. Who the hell? Who the hell has? Who the hell has the time to listen to more than Let's one? Let's not do this. Let's not do this. But, no. but, but, um, yeah, very nice. So, in the future, if if some commentator, whether it be Bill Leslie or another one, is listening to this as he's prepping for the Brighton game, he can he can mention us by name and uh, mention that they can leave a five star rating in Apple <laughs> and follow us on the whole podcast if they want. <laughs> I believe yeah. during half time his microphone was still on. He was whinging about some chump on the podcast with a VK at wall chart, um, which I have fished out <laughs> of the bin after after Saturday. So, uh, Bill, if you want a copy of that, mate, you can certainly have one. But uh, uh, Bill Leslie, uh, a man of great taste. Uh, it is now the final whistle at Arsenal. So I think that's uh, at Luton, sorry, Arsenal, 4 3 winners. Uh, you know, Jeez. you couldn't really imagine us getting three goals against Arsenal. Fair play to Luton. I mean, you've got to respect what Luton are doing this season. They're really, yeah. you know, impressed yeah. with their approach to it. Definitely, definitely. Uh, well, we'll leave it there. We'll be back later in the week uh, with a preview of the Brighton game. Um, and then we'll be back on Monday with uh, a review of the Brighton game. Um, until then, as Simon just said, do, do follow us on uh, X, Twitter, Facebook, at BO Podcast, do rate, review, share, like, do everything you can to promote uh, from the BO end, um, the commentator's choice. 
Uh, and until then, <laughs> we will see you soon and up the clarets. <laughs> Jimmy McElroy to Watson. Go.